Welcome to the NRL's Tackle Coaching Podcast, where the game's leading minds share their experiences to help you improve in all areas of coaching. Now, here's your host, Scott Sattler. Welcome to Tackle Coaching with the NRL. Uh, my name's Scott Sattler, your host for this episode, and we're fortunate enough to have a, a very special guest uh, for this episode. He's former Canberra, Queensland and Australian player and former coach of the Raiders and the Maroons and current Kangaroo coach Mal Meninga. And Mal, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Scotty. Nice to be here. Now, you've experienced every every level of coaching in the, in the professional world, whether it's a seasoned coach with the Canberra Raiders or, or your short-term coaching. So I suppose the, the most obvious question off the top is, when can you recall that you identified you wanted to be a coach? <laughs> um, I felt I felt that I probably didn't want to be a coach you know, at the end of my playing career. Um, but my dad coached all his life basically so you know I, I followed dad in, in the bush Queensland bush was that in Bundaberg in Bundaberg yep. and in um, Mirabara, Wandai Monto Thangul you know so he was sort of a you know a bush coach you know captain coach in all those regions regions and chasing work you know as a cane cutter and uh, uh, worked in the sawmills uh, the abattoirs and things like that so he chased chased work but at the same time he you know captain coach in all those regional areas um, and so and he had a heap of heaps of success so he coached 22 years and you know played in 21 grand finals yeah. you know as a as a captain or or a coach basically of those sides so he's successful so um natural enough obviously rugby league was you know part of our our upbringing so but I never really had any desire to coach but you know when the Raiders job came came around you know Sheenzy uh, was moving on moving on to the Cowboys and um you know it was the height of Super League at the time as well and um I was approached you know to maybe take over the the the, uh, the coaching role there, and I had no previous um, experience except for the playing playing side of things. So, um, asked a lot of questions, you know, talked to a lot of players, and at the end of the day, made a decision to have a bit of a crack at it. So, yep. sort of fell upon me really. And so, with your long term coaching, which is your NRL coaching, you know, week in week out, uh, every day, what was the most difficult part of it? Coaching your mates, yeah, you know, for me, you know, personally. So. Um, if I ever did, I wouldn't do it again. You know, so in hindsight, I'd, I'd do my apprenticeship. So I'd make sure that I go through the ranks. I understood the development side of things. Understood what what coaching was all about. You know, developed a philosophy, which is really important. Mm. You know, how you want to coach. You don't want to change yourself, obviously. But you know, what are the sort of things you want to put in place to that's going to enable you to be a good coach or you know, a better coach. Uh, so all those sort of things. I, I did no homework leading up to it. So I just bang straight into it. Uh, so all the things that you know, you know that. Most coaches, well, I advise most coaches to do. I didn't do. So you talk about philosophy, which is probably the the buzzword in coaching. What is your coaching philosophy? So, as you developed yours, what were your beliefs? What was your philosophy? What did you try and stand beside as what Malmeninga stood for as a coach? Uh, well, not change yourself. That's really mm. important. Be who you are. You know, I'm not. I'm I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. But you know, bit of an outgoing, sometimes introvert. But um, get to identify yourself, understand yourself, you know, what your value systems are, um, how you operate, you know, how do you handle things, how do you handle adversity, all those sort of things you experience when you're playing, but also, you know, you've got to start to think about how you handle it when you're coaching as well. So um, you've got to be a good communicator and communications comes in, you know, several forms yep. and that's not listening, it's hearing, you know, so we talk about listening, We, you've got to hear, you've actually got to hear mm. what people are saying and, um, you know, from there you, you form some views around how you want to move forward, uh, really important uh, with your coaching, it's around accountability, you know, so um, you've got to have an honest and trusting environment, you know, you've got to have a stimulated environment, I reckon, so um, that comes from accountability and being honest with people and 
and always doing what you promise as well. So making sure that you know if you're going to deliver things in a certain way, you've got to act and yeah, believe yeah. that in the same in the same vein. So that's important. Um, everyone's got to understand their their roles within the team, um, and you've got to acknowledge that too. So reward and recognition is really important. Um, whether that's your staff or your play your playing group, you know, really important that you do all those sort of things. And then it's about continual development. You know, it's about making sure that you're, you're continually learning. Um, how to be a better coach, you know, how to, how they, the players can become better players, better people. So all those sort of things are, you know, really important. How important is your assistant coach? Extremely important, you know. So there's, it's a trusting relationship, you know. So uh, all your stuff, you know. So that's how I operate. And it's not autocratic. It's a conciliatory yep. way of doing things. Certainly in short-term uh, coaching with the rep sides, you know, it's having belief and trust in, in the people around you, having belief and trust in your players and, they should be part of that process around you know how you prepare for the week planning and preparation is really important that's you know i really believe that um with everybody on board you know everyone doing their job to the best of their ability your preparation you know, is king you know when you're leading up to games and hopefully all the things you've done through the week and what everyone's done through the week leads to success what about overcoaching, mal don't you, believe in it don't believe in it <laughs> don't believe in it i think that um uh, there's certain aspects to um to coaching, I mm. think the simpler the be, the better. Uh, that's my philosophy. Um, I know just through my playing career that s- simple instruction um, done really well uh, enables you to you know perform um, really well when it matters too as well. So you know when you when you talk about, oh, it's a really important facet of any coaching is knowing the fundamentals of the game, how to pass properly, how yep. to kick properly. That's simple stuff that's going to be practiced all the time. And if you haven't got a if you haven't got a, um, a desire to do that all the time, well, maybe you're not you're on the in the wrong profession. So, um, you know, from from my personal point of view, you know, simpler the better, um, but practice all your core skills as much as you possibly can. So, if you're a community coach, like a regional coach, coaching a side in, say, the Bundaberg uh, Rugby League competition, what should you focus on? Is it is core the, skill? Core skills don't change in any. <clears throat> it doesn't air change. Facet, I mean, do so, well, it doesn't. You know, your physical preparation uh, doesn't change. You know, you you. The elements in, in the in the game hasn't changed around your core skill and do, doing that really well. Obviously, um, physically, you know, from a fitness point of view, you've got to work hard because the game is hard. You know, it's a, it takes a fair bit of effort, you know, to play it at any level really. Um, you got to and you got to be able to prepare prepared for the knocks and the bumps and things like that. So your mental side of things is you know really important. One thing I say to with kids is, um, and mums and dads might ask me the question, well, you have your fun, that's great. You know, sportsmen, sportsmen like is fantastic and, you know, teach you your, your basic skills, but you've got to be a competitor too. Mm. You've got to be able to compete, you know. So you've, you, you're playing against someone on the other side who wants to beat you. You know, that's a team that wants to beat you. So you've got to have this competitive spirit in you. So, you know, and when you go out in, in life in general, you know, so it's not just you walk through a door and all of a sudden you're going to win. You know, so, you know, in, in general life, you've got to be competitive. you actually got to work hard for, for you know, for, to be successful and achieve things. Were you a risk taker when you were doing a lot Always. of... When you Well, you're still coaching out with the kangaroos. Are, yeah. are you a risk taker? Are you willing to trial and error things? Yep, absolutely. Yep. You know, so... Um, and and fundamentally, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, so you put your hand up. So that's what what we mean by an honest environment yep. is that, you know, you try things. You know, you're always trying things to try and improve prove yourself and if it doesn't work well you know oh sorry you know <laughs> or you put your hand up and say listen you know we tried something here today but you know it was my fault yep. you know i've got all those you know I, I can't see any reason why you know people don't want to take on responsibility and, and accept you know when things don't you know go go right 
What about short-term coaching? So we'll have a, a lot of the listeners out there listening to this episode who just coach rep teams. And myself, I I take a lot of pride in coaching a rep side in the in the Northern Rivers competition for the country championships. So I feel as though my first year I, I probably tried to jam too much information into the players for such a small period of time. So when you first took over Origin in 2006, what was your main focus? Emotional connection. Yep. You know, so the emotional... Um, equation intelligence are uh, really important you know you got to be connected to your representative jersey you got to be connected to your club jersey you know so which means that you got to be passionate about mm-hmm. it you know you got to understand the people that come before you you got to understand the effort and time and energies they put into that um you got to understand all those sort of things and and um you know you got to stand up uh, for who you for what that jersey represents as well so emotional connection is really important before you even go on anything else in my opinion and then the simplification of you know, game plans, because um, you know you only got them for short periods of yep. time. So the, again, the simpler the better. The better you execute, um, you, know, you have an environment that's stimulating for them and a bit of fun. You got to have a bit of fun. You know that's why yeah. we play. You know you got to. Mm. It's got to be you know enjoyable experience. Um, you don't overtrain them. You know I've got a philosophy around under train them because at the end of the day, uh, they play on a on a given given day, given yep. night. And uh, you want them at their their peak. You want them fresh. You want them, you know. And that's, I believe. I believe you can actually um, freshen them up physically, mentally, and emotionally um, by coming in the rep side because they're such. They're in the grind week in week out. Whether it's you know in the bush, they they're constantly doing things every week. Where you know you can actually use that environment to stimulate them a bit and mm. get them more, uh, make it more enjoyable for them to play rugby league. When you talk about the emotional attachment to the jersey, when you took over the Queensland side, they'd been through three real lean years, uh, 03, 04, 05. To get that emotional attachment to the Queensland jersey, was it was it a lot of that emotional attachment already there or was there still a fair bit of education that you had to give the players? Um, well, you, when I put them together in 2006, um, it suddenly dawned on me that I had 32 in a room and... Only three of them were born, you know, prior to <laughs> Origin starting, so they didn't really understand yeah. what happened prior to Origin. You know, so we lost for twenty years straight. You know, so better tell them that story. You know, um, and understand, they need to understand why Origin kicked off because they grew up you know, watching successful mm. Origin teams. You know, Queensland winning every now and again or going on little runs. You know, so we had to instill that right from the beginning. You know, yeah. why why is Origin? You know, such a a really important part of the of the the sporting but the social calendar for Queensland you know so we've got or we've got people that don't follow rugby league support the Maroons so they need to, need to understand what the expectation was it's actually bigger than the team and bigger than themselves talk about I'm just going to digress a little bit here and go back to that first origin game and everyone talks about that image of Arthur running out and that that indelible image of what origin is today but what happened before that like the days leading up to that first game when a guy like you had a young 20-year-old Mal Meninga in his first origin game, official origin game. Of course, there was interstate games still going on. but And then a man like Arthur Beetson walks into that very first time you, you meet. What was that feeling like for a young police constable out well, of Brisbane? Yeah, well, he's well, he a leader of men. You yeah. know, so highly respected for what he's done in the game. Um, and you, and when he spoke, or the way he carried himself, just reeked of emotion. Mm. You know, just reeked it. I mean, this is this is the best thing that's happened to him in rugby league. He's always he's always 
being a big advocate of the Origin concept because he always wanted to come back and play for his home state. He never did that. You know, he come down and played in Redcliffe, but then he was quickly, you know, moved down to Belmain, playing mm. down there. And you know, I think his first rep game was with New South Wales. So he never actually, never never actually played for Queensland prior to him coming here. And he always wanted to do that. And uh, same with the other fellows. You know, we, we had Johnny Lang and well, Rockeretti was the same. Yeah. You know, um, uh, you know, Johnny Lang was there. Um, you know, Greg Oliphant. Um, Kerry Boasted, you know, so all these guys that have, you know, got this love of Queensland come back and it was just a, it was an uplifting experience for us young fellas and, and I always say it was a catalyst to our self-belief, Queensland self-belief because I remember playing prior to that and we were happy just to get close. Yeah. We are happy to play really well and, the, and get the accolades that we played really well that maybe you can match it at, the, at that level but um, it was a catalyst for us saying, listen, hang on a sec, we can put a maroon jersey on, we can win this. Now, you talk about that aura when he walks into a room, the effect that he has on the playing group. Since he took over his coaching in 2006, is there a player that stands out that has that same aura that walks into a room? Um, all our leaders do. Yep. You know, so Cameron, uh, even like today now. So we we didn't know what was going to happen in 2006. You know, we didn't know how great Cameron Smith was going to yeah. be. We didn't know how Jonathan Thurston's going to be. You know, we, Darren was, you know, he was sort of the peak of his career, Petro and Steve Price in particular, you know, so... We didn't know where Greg Inglis was going to go to. You know, mm. we knew his yeah, his super talent, Billy Slater. Billy didn't even make two thousand six. Yeah, he didn't, didn't either. Back. That's right. He didn't come back into the squad till two thousand eight. You know, so because we had Carmichael Hunt, you know, coming through. So we didn't we didn't really un, we didn't know didn't understand how great a players are going to be. But mm. today, I mean, you, you know, you look at the team and you know you you, you talk to a Dylan Napper or a Jared Wallace or a Cohen Hess and you know. They're legends in their eyes. You know, they grew up, funny enough, watching these players be successful. So yeah. it, it's, you know, it's, for them it would be a surreal experience for them. You talk about those senior players, those experienced players that, that you just mentioned. And with your coaching in the Origin arena, how much did you engage those players as part of your, you know, as basic as it may be, the game plan? Um, all the time. Yep. All the time. Um, <clears throat> so the key guys in particular, but... Well, I'd, I'd, I'd gauge them before coming into a general meeting, but I got a belief also that, you know, at this level, representative level, that they all got an opinion and it should be valued as well around how we should play. And they play against their opposition on a week to week basis, so they got a great understanding of the people they're, they're playing against. Um, so we put the, we have this basic game plan, then we just fill it in with everybody, yeah. really, you know. So and everyone has a has a an opinion. Some some guy might, and the young kid might, but. At the end of the day, he knows that if he speaks up, his opinion is valued and, and, we, and we listen to it. If you're a coach of a, of a representative side or a, any sort of side, even if you're a seasoned coach, uh, whether it's in the regional areas, whatever it may be, and you feel as though that you don't have the players that are intelligent enough to have a lot of interaction as part of the makeup of what a game plan is going to be, do you still try and develop the leaders amongst your, your, your squad so you can engage them? Uh, I have a again. I have a philosophy around leadership too. You know, I think everyone's a leader, really. Mm. You know, I mean, if you play if you're playing rep football, you're doing something right. You know, so there's a concept of leader, leader leadership. And there's a concept of followership in a, in a representative team, and and sometimes um, followers don't want to speak out, but they can still have an impact on the way the team performs. You know, so so when you when you when you develop a concept within the team, a strategy or plan. Uh, it's important that the you know everyone buys into it. Some they might not even some players mightn't agree with it. 
know, some people might say, well, you know, I don't believe that's the way we should play. But if they buy into it and they cast that aside and say, listen, this we're all moving forward in the same direction with the same goals and in common purpose, well, then, then you've got something that's going to be successful. So... Um, but they should be always be part of the process. Should be always mm. part of, part of the discussion, and they may have a different view, and that that different view needs to be expressed. And then, you know, if and we mightn't change that view, but at the end of the day, if they're willing to buy into what the team wants to do, well, then you know um, they play for the team. Now that two thousand and six series in, in State of Origin, you you go to Suncorp Court Stadium game two, and you're down one nil. There's a lot of pressure on on the team, and you as first year as coach and which obviously just comes from outside sources, the media, of course. But um, there's a story that went around that that you met with guys like Petro and Darren Lockyer and Petro Sivanasiva and Stephen Price about their futures in Origin. If you had lost that series, is that a true story? And if so, what was what did that discussion involve? <laughs> oh, it was just an honest, frank discussion yep. about you know. Was it after game one too? Or? Uh, it was after game one. Yeah, but it was just a frank discussion around um, where we sat. You know. Um, I had a, I had a belief I had a belief that you know all the things that we'd done prior to 2006 where we talked about origin we talked about you know the expectations uh, of of a maroon you know in in that jersey um, we come upon some core core real core values I think you got to you got to set some some values around behaviour and the expectations the way you do things and that's what you know values are and that's how you, and you hold them to it yep. you know so. Um, and they and they were part of that process. They they understood that you know this is what is a Queensland. This is our core values. This is how we we're going to move forward. And I thought we lived up to that game one. You know, I mm. thought we lived up to that, but we didn't execute properly. So the conversations with with the senior guys wasn't about the core values and their attitude. It's about the, how we wanted to play. It's about execution. About this is this is what we we need to do. I think to win the footy game. So that that was the frank, honest discussion. It wasn't about. I mean, who they were and their attitudes, and you know yep. that we. I know, I knew that they wanted to do the best for for Queensland, but we had to play a different way, and um, and execute better, and and they bought into that. So you know, and the result speaks for itself. Now, in two thousand fourteen, you lose your first series, and after eight eight straight, uh, as you're going into two thousand and fifteen, did you need to change much? Not really. No. Not really. No, we just had faith in the system. Just had faith we? faith in the system. Um and we got I'll just take it back a few steps. Like in, in t- we, when we talk about the core values, um we set that in place in two thousand six, but the senior group, you know, come to me and said, We want our own value systems. Yep. Based around how we we feel that, you know, is important to our team, how we so we've we've evolved we evolved the Marais, we're involved the the way we think. And um so I facilitate that and we come up with that. So values values is around like we talked about behaviour, but that's how you bring everyone back into line as well, you know. So, so in two thousand fourteen, a few things went against us, but we didn't use that as an excuse. Um, we were beaten fair and square, but well, we had a conversation around. Well, you know, is this the way we want to keep on going? And it was one hundred percent ingredients, and we just kept on forging ahead. And um, you know, it was pretty good, pretty good result at the end of the day. When you talk about a, a playing group coming to you, your senior players, and you as the coach, as the as the head coach, you got your own values that you and your staff have implemented from two thousand six, like you said, and then all of a sudden you have a playing group coming to you saying, "We want to implement our own core values as well as a playing group." Initially, at the very first instance, 
do you think as a coach, oh, hang on a second, they try to take no, too much power I said, back? I said, I said, how good is this? Yeah, okay, good. Because we've got the players. The players yeah. have engaged it now. The players know, understand what Origin's all about now. And they understood that through these, these core set of values that that's how they want to behave. This is how they want to uh, live their life by. Because when you talk about values, it's got to ma- marry up to what you do in life too. And that's that's an important part of it all, you know. So if you not don't live up those values, well, you know, all of a sudden you're a chance not being selected in this footy team. Do you want to be selected in this footy team? Well, they're going to live by these these core values, and which they and, and if they own it now, it's part of them. It's part of their DNA. Well, um, you know, it's pretty easy team to to start coaching when they know when you walk through the door. You know, at the start of Origin One, um, they're they're ready yeah. to ready to play. Now, a lot of the listeners will be sitting out there thinking we're talking Origin, which is the, the pinnacle of the game just underneath the kangaroo jersey, but could I, could I implement these sort of values when I've only got players for two nights a week coaching for a local rugby league side? Yep. You agree that you can? You can, yeah. yeah. So I think you, I think it's values first, then you talk about your culture, and then you talk about how you want to play. Mm. You know, So values is you know, it's just it's how you behave. You know, So if you're coaching the team that's... The players only come in twice a week. It's really important what they do the other five days as well, or the other four days, because you know you got they're playing in one of those games. It's really important because what they do off off the training paddock and off the footy field has a direct you know transference to how they play. It's a, it really is that simple, mm. you know. So in simple terms, so if they're living, you know, they they're doing all the right things away from the game. Well, you know, they will always do the, the right things in a game. Now, I want to talk about just a, a few of the coaches that have had an influence on you throughout your, your, your long career. And just as I, as I mention each coach, and I'll, I'll just go through four of the coaches that you've, you've played under and had a, a lot, lot to do with. Just tell us what their strength was, individual strength. So I'll start off with Arthur Beaton. You had him at origin level? Um, huge respect for him. You know, so he, he sits there and he talks and he's, he's got this, like you said, this aura and, aura and presence about him. And when he talks, you listen. And and then you implement. You do, you know. So when you talk about the art art of listening and hearing, you know, mm. hearing's really important. But you got to be reason, you got to be intelligent. You got to understand what he's saying, and then you got to implement it too. Yep. So we we do things. We did things for Arthur. So it was more about just not wanting to let him down. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, Wayne Bennett, who you had a lot to do with in the police academy, very first, yep. and then South Magpies, who had a great career there, a really good club. Then obviously Raiders and. Uh, he brought the best out of him as a as a person. You know, it's probably more important than anything else. Um, hugely, um, he's, he had a great um, respect for you know basic skills. We did a lot of work on on basic skills, and he introduced me to goal setting. You mm. know, so the Lom- Vince Lombardi days. You know, we used to watch tapes and tapes and tapes of Vince Lombardi, and you know, uh, the will to win and all that sort of stuff. You know, so but he taught me a lot about goal setting and um, you know being a better person, obviously. Was he an innovator? Was he well ahead of his time with a lot of his yeah, practices? Yeah, he, he was in his practices, definitely, around um, how to prepare a footy team, definitely. You know, so we really we really worked hard on our, on our basic skills, you know, which we enjoyed. We loved doing all that sort of stuff, even though it's simple stuff. Um, but we just, repetitive training was, um, I, because I loved the game so much, it was, I enjoyed it. And he, he innovated a few times, you know, with... Um, Introduced the um, the Duncan Thompson yep. contract football side of things. Um, 
in 84 with us, and which was pretty exciting. You know, got some good results for us. We made the grand final, got beaten in the grand final. Yeah. But, but um, implemented some, a few things like that. But, you know, he was more around the individual and, and getting the best out of, the, out of yourself. That was Wynnum, wasn't it? Then you yes, got, got back flogged. in 85. Yeah, got back 85. Um, didn't do the contract footy, but just got back with a, a world of success. So what you know? was the contract footy? Just what's the... Uh, it's just about well. It's just that. about it's a it's a bit of a combination between union and league where, um, you know, someone will move forward with the footy, you know, ruck up, and then he might back in, and then someone comes grabs the footy. So a con, you have a contract with your mate. So it's like yeah. a support play, but you have a contract. You know, so every time someone carries a football, there's always a man on the inside and a man on the outside, and then. Uh, if he gets into a tackle, well, then it's a bit like rugby where you can come in, reef the ball off, yep. the things like that, yeah. Okay, interesting. What about uh, Bozo Fulton? Um, he, he, to me, um, I learned a lot of, a lot of Bozo around um, the balance between fun and footy. Yep. You know, so when it was time, this is about your preparation component of it all. So training training really well, when, when to train well, when to have fun, you know, um, so I learned a lot off him. So, you know, I first got involved with, with Bozo when I was 28 years of age. So um, he, under, he understood the balance between, you know, the fun and the, the serious component of it all. And uh, and because he was such a, a great player, we had huge respect for the players as well. And he was very intelligent around footy. He knew, knew his rugby league. Yeah. You know? And he, he knew his players too as well, which is really well. Yeah, I've spoken to a lot of your former teammates. Gary Belcher, probably most notably, he said that he just knew how to, when you're on those kangaroo tours, he just knew how to just bring a group together socially. Right. and Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was very, it was very good. Um, he made some tough decisions around, you know, Wally and yep. Blocker Roach and, you know, Dale Shearer and yep. Jacko and those sort of guys, you know, so sometimes you have too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, probably the, the one coach that had, I don't know, I'm, I'm just from an outside looking at a guy that had a, a huge influence on your career was Tim Sheens. Yeah, he taught me about the game. Yeah. To understand the game. So that's, and, and he was the one that sort of thrust me into the leadership side of things. So uh, I learned, I learned more about the game under Tim than I learned under, under most other guys. Um, but that was on a week-to-week basis. He educated us. And then the other thing about him was that he actually turned me into a bit of a leader mm. and uh, gave me an opportunity to be uh, captain at, at the right time, you know, for me. You know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm ever thankful for that as well. Did you ever see yourself as a captain? Uh, eventually, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I knew when, when Shinji came to me and asked me, I was ready for it. Yeah. I did it with South in, in 84 yes. and yep. I wasn't right. I mean, we got beaten in the grand final. I wasn't right. And it, it had a... Huge impact on the way I played too. I didn't play very well that year, so um, you know it's it was it made me realise that you know I still wasn't right to go. So you know Sheensy picked it at the right time. I was fortunate enough to have Tim Sheens in my last year in two thousand and four, and I wish I had the, had him in my first few years. Just mm. the the basic skills that he taught in the game. First and foremost, hundred passes before every training session, yeah. left and right. Yeah. Don't forget those core values that you keep talking about—the core skill values. I mean, it was an innovator too mm. for us. You know, so every year we turn up to the pre-season. There's something different. You know, as a machine, we've got to tackle, or you know, there's different ways of very doing NFL it. orientated too. Wasn't yeah, it? Well, absolutely. Those times, yeah, definitely. So I used to do his trips over to um, yeah, to America or go anywhere just to try and improve the systems, and because um, he, he had a pretty good footy team, mm. so. So he understood, and that's how smart he was. He needed to stimulate us all the time, so we used to come back with all different things. But, like, again, um, really important core, core skills. Like, we did all these basic skills every session, 
and which we love to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, we and we knew how important it was, but we felt a bit naked if we didn't do it. You know, so but he was, you know, he was very good. Taught me a lot and. The introduction of VHS and you know cutting, yeah, yeah. Up, cutting up tapes and stuff, we'd sit through <laughs> meetings and might last for, for oh. an hour. But but you know it was was all relevant. It was different in those times too for us because we never really had any video you know prior yep. prior to that. So it was a bit of it was innovative for us um, and it was new for us as well. Does it surprise you or it doesn't surprise you that the amount of players that played under Tim Sheen throughout their careers have now gone on to become successful coaches? It didn't surprise me. Um, it's sort of, like I said, just on those what we just said about him before. Yep. He, he taught us plenty. Um, he understood the art of of coaching because he sort of brought us into his world, really. And you know, all the sessions was always well, well organised. You know, basic skill was really important. Um, yeah, you know, so it wasn't surprised to me that you know we've got a lot of players that played through that era. You know, coaching in the in yep. the NRL now. Now, if I go through a few of those players when you played with them played with those players did you identify that they had coaching skills so the first one I'll say is Kevy Kevy Walters um I, I don't think you identify we had I mean he's a good player you know, a great player you know so we didn't we didn't think about those things yeah. in, those, in those times but when you th- when you think back like Kevy's been in under Sheensley under Wayne under Craig Bellamy he's coached himself you know yep. not in the Intrust Super he's coached in France yep you know so he's done his apprenticeship so I mean um what he I mean, his knowledge about the game is, you know, right up there with everybody else. And, you know, that's why he's been successful at origin level as well. Now, I've spoken to, again, I'll, I'll talk about him again, one of your former teammates, one of your close mates, and Gary Belcher, and talking about Craig Bellamy. Yeah. Now, I think he's going to be end up being one of our modern day, if not one of our greatest coaches we've ever seen in, yeah. in seasonal footy. He says, Gary Belcher says, I would have seen him more as a strength and conditioning coach, more so than a coach back then identifying the skills that you require as a coach. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at all the all the characteristics of, a, of a, an NRL coach, you know, looking back at what Craig did in his career, um, makes sense that he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. You know, so makes sense. And he was a strength and conditioning coach you know, at the Raiders, and he did coach lower grades as well. Um, but you look at his career, he wasn't the the most talented player, but he got extracted everything he possibly could out of his talent. He trained hard. He had great work ethic, and he learnt. He was a great learner of the game, you know, so he, he really did his homework on, on, you know, on teams and, you know, on, on himself as well, and he was a good fella. Yep. Um, you know, he had that balance right between, you know, when it was time to have a bit of fun and when to, when to prepare for a game, when to play. Um, so when you, when you look at all, all these traits he had through his career, you can understand... Uh, why he's made such a great NRL coach? Because he was thorough. He was thorough yeah. in everything he did, and everything everything he did from a playing perspective, he planned out. Well, he expects such a hard work ethic from the players that he recruits as well, doesn't That's he? That's right. Well, what he he was, he was one of our hardest workers at the club when he played. You know, so he's always out front running around in our time trials, or you know, in the gymies. You know, he's always he's always dedicated to to improving himself because he wanted to play first grade. Yep. You know, he was motivated motivated around playing first grade. So. Um, you know, it's probably quite easy to see the, how he's transferred that into his coaching. Now, a lot career. of people don't realise he was part of the 90 premiership team. He is actually on the field. Yeah. 89 as well. Yeah. You know, so he came off the bench in 89. Mm. Um, yeah, so and he was part of the, the inaugural camp. So he had a, so he, he was he was emotionally engaged in Canberra too. Yep. You know what I mean? So he had that attachment, you know, and, he, um, and now he's obviously, you know, emotionally attached to what he's doing with the with the Storm and, the, and the, all the players have bought into that, that work ethic yeah. and discipline that he, that he brings to brings to any club now probably going to repeat what we've repeated when we talk about the importance of 
of coaching. Now, out of all those coaches we discussed, is there is there something that you've taken everywhere? Yeah, everything out of one of those. Is there something that stands out, or is it, is, um, is it the core skills that have always stood out with all those coaches? Yeah, I think you you, you extract a fair bit out of everyone you're involved with. You know, Dad was really instrumental in in who I am and the person I am today. Yeah. So that so for me, when you talk about values, um, he was probably probably played the most important part around around what I do today and how I do yeah. things, you know, mum and dad, you know, because that's how I was brought up, you know. So, you know, so from there, from then on, and then you extract things like Wayne about the core skills and yep. and your goal setting, as an example. Sheensy, you know, about, you know, your video and, you know, core skills and, and you know, um, setting setting personal goals, setting team goals. Bozo is about the fun yep. and the seriousness, you know, or a, or a component of it all, you know. So we, when I coach, I use a lot of ex-players you know coming in and, and talking to the team and being part of the team environment you know so there's that aura respect side of things so yeah you, you sort of bring a bit of everything really now we touched on it earlier on about when you lost that 2014 series but handling losing when you're coaching on a week-to-week basis how tough did that get week-to-week basis is easy yep i reckon yeah. because you get a chance next week yeah you know so it's about debrief being honest being constructive in the way you, you debrief, um, making sure that players understand where they are, you know, um, and and just improving on you know improving on what you do each week. And it, it, again, it's a simplified situation. Right with the Four Nations, an example, um, and we were very successful, but we can always improve. So we always improve in small increments. You know, we don't do it in larging. It's all small things, you know, to get the result you want to you want to get to. What about the current generational players you've dealt with the players that that before they were full-time where they were working as well and then they've come into super league where basically the game became full-time and then we've had a generational change with i suppose it's easy to say that the the modern day player probably expects a lot more love and care and emotion involved how yeah. do you? How have you been able to change your communications with different generations it's gone gone from autocratic to you know democratic really Mm. you know so um but it's how you create the environment initially. So it's how it's how it's what is your core beliefs, what are your core values around how you want to you know, develop your your club or you know the team itself, and then it comes down to who you want to recruit. You know, it's around those characteristics of that person as well. You know, so um, that's an important component, and then um, it's all around cons- conciliatory. You know, yep. um, and uh, they talk about leadership, and I think that's a really important part of leadership, but. You've got to you've got to be con- consistently trying to improve, regardless if they're Cameron Smith, or they're Cohen Hess. You know, they got to, they got to be they got to be treated equally, uh, but you know they got to be you know we, we're working with Smithy about running more. You know, just mm. to try and improve his game. You know, to where where you can you know continually you know get some sort of satisfaction out of the way he plays. You know, success can bring the satisfaction, yep. but it's still, from a personal point of view, you want to be improving all the time. And as with Carmel, he's got some big improvements to do, so you've got to work with that, maybe sometimes in an autocratic way, you know, with, with your with your younger players, but certainly with your older ones and more experienced ones, it's part of the process. Well, it's interesting you say that because there's obviously still a place for being autocratic where you've, where you've, where you've got to just give that message and this is how it's going to be black and white. We, we use a phrase, I suppose, in a lot of these podcasts, Mel, and I'll use the same one as you. Is it more about not what you say, but how you say it in yeah. this day and age? Sometimes you don't say anything at all. Jack yeah. Gibson's got a great a great analogy around that. You know, if you've got nothing to say, don't say it. 
you know, so I think that's really an important part of it, you know, so, and many voices, you know, saying the same message has, has just as much impact, um, you know, so you don't have to say things because for sake of saying stuff, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's saying things at the right time, getting the right people to say things at the right time. Um, if your leadership group or your, your players want to say something, let them, let them say something. Because um, that's all part of that mesh of, you know, anything at the, anything at the top level, um, and that's NRL as well, um, your talk is the number one characteristics in my, in my opinion. If you haven't got the ability to talk um, around a group, in a team, under pressure, um, to handle, you know, I mean, I, there's no way in the world that you better, you know, combat that adv- adversity that what you might be confronted every now and again. So, talk is your number one, one number one uh, tip in my mind. So that leads probably perfectly into my next question: is before the game and at half time, if there's two different uh, two different parts to that, how much is coach driven from you before yeah. the game? How yeah, much none. is said? Uh, not a lot, no. So don't need to. Not, not really. No, that's not. That's not the way I, th- I think it should happen. I think that all my, te- all my talking's done you know, in the preparation leading up to the captain's run, which yep. is generally the day before, and then with the team, the captain. That's what his role is: is to, you know, to, to bring the team together and start to chat to them about, you know, their performance and um, what we need to do, what we need to do in, in the game. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones out there in the, on the coal face, um, you know working together, trying to get a result together. And then at half time, um, you know, we'll, we'll just say a few things, you know, about, you know, how do we, how do we, how things are going, you know, how can we improve, you know? Well, if there's two scenarios, if first half, it's been great. Nothing to really, nothing to really discuss at half time compared to first half, your completion rates have been horrible. Everything's going wrong. Is it? A well, different conversation. It is a different conversation. So if everything's going right, well, you know, well done, boys. You know, everything's going good. Um, and basically, really, you know, we've got to start well second half. Same mm. same way we finished. You know, everything we've done, everything we've put into place is working really well. That simple, really. And then if things are not going well, um, they know about completion. They know they know that you know they're not playing well, um, and you know we just need to fix up just a couple of elements, perhaps, and then. First five sets again. Yep. You know, start the start the second half really it's well. Pretty basic, isn't it's it? It's pretty basic. Yeah. But they're fatigued. That you know, they're under the pump. Um, they know. They know whether they're playing well or whether they're playing terrible, or they can play better. You know, so there's there's no need to reinforce that. You know, um, it's about how they can you know be positive and, and how they can you know fix things up or keep going in the second half. Now, just to finish off with something that's close to your heart and it's in your role now as the, as the kangaroos coaches uh explain the rise concept um rise rise is just about again a set of behaviors yep. about what is what is conducive to a kangaroo player you know so it's about it's about the best the best you know rising to the occasion it's about um you you've become an ambassador for the game you've actually accepted the the um the the position of role model for our game you know if you want to put the green and gold jersey on so you rise to that occasion and it's all around it's all around respect you know, it's all around inspiring people to play rugby league and inspiring the next generation that comes through and playing the kangaroos and respect is is around you know the game itself you know, the love of the game protecting the game it's about um, respecting your opposition because they play our game rugby mm. league it's it's they're not the enemy um, you know we hate we hate probably hate the jersey they're playing in but they're playing our game. We're we're trying to promote the game, so it's about respect around all that, and then it's around 
team first mentality. It's around good people, you know, participating at this level um, because uh, I want them to leave a bit of a legacy piece, you know, for the game itself and they're they're there to protect the game and, and leave it in a better place than they found it. Then it's about you know, excellence about always continually improving. Always, every time, every time you, you put a green gold jersey on, it's around not letting your mates down, yep. not letting yourself down, but not letting your country down. That's really important component of it all. So again, that's a, that's our core value. You know, that's a, that's our set of behaviour. So if you want to be in part of the green and gold jersey, um, and you want to rise, you know, for the kangaroos, well, this is this is our mantra. This is our our action call, and and you've got to live it. Not only when you come into camp and on game day, you got to live it all the time. Now, you've been conscious about that kangaroo jersey, the education around the kangaroo tours. The last one was in 1994. And I listened to an interview from Andrew Fafita, who basically went against a lot of the values that you believed in last year. And you made that call and you made it very public. But after the, uh, the first State of Origin, I heard him say, State of Origin is a stepping stone yeah. to playing in the green and gold. That must please you that Absolutely. that message is Absolutely. getting through to not only him but but a lot of players in general. What's well, it's your I don't I don't put it on a pedestal. I mean you're playing for your country's you know should be a priority if you're you're a young kid growing up and it's not as to be sport it can be do anything in life, you know. So to actually represent your country your country is a the the number one personal milestone, you know, uh, achievement that you can do. So to have a green and gold jersey sitting on your mantelpiece uh, that means that means that you're the the best player in that position of that time of that era, which is something you know. So when you talk about you know club footy and winning premierships, you know you, you've done things with your mates, which is fantastic. And Origins, the beast it is, it's great to win a series. But that's all team orientated, mm. you know. Where your kangaroos is 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 your mark on your career. Um, what a good how good a player you was, and now. What's just as important, what a good person you were and how you protected our game. Well, I think you've been one of the greatest servants to our game and it's an honour to have you here for, for this episode and uh, thanks very much, Mel, for joining us on Tackling Coaching. Thanks, Scotty. My pleasure.